Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Travolting. Hosted by Jeff Sweeney and Stuart Elmore. Covering the 1976 film, Carrie. With very special guest, Matt Abaldi. Thank you all for joining us today, folks. As the intro said, my name is Jeff Sweeney, and I'm joined by... Stuart Elmore. And this is Travolting, the only podcast devoted exclusively to covering every single movie ever blessed by the presence of the one and only John Travolta. Man, man, the myth, the legend. Today we are covering the 1976 Brian De Palma film, Carrie, and we are joined by very special guest and good friend of the show, Matt Abaldi. Hello. Yes, that is him. He is, How's uh, it going? Going well. How about you? You know, I watched Carrie last night, so what a, what a, that's well, how it's going. What a movie. What a movie. I watched it at uh, 2 a.m. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> All hour and, and 38 minutes at 2 a.m. Yep. This movie is only an hour and 38 minutes long. It feels longer. That is shocking. It is really shocking. <laughs> it should be a lot shorter. <laughs> like, you think this would be a longer or a shorter movie? But it's right at 98 minutes. It is, I thought this was going to be like a two and a half hour. Yeah, in a good way, it felt long to me. Yeah. To me, it, it felt long, in a good way. So should we? Yes. Like, we should probably get into uh, obviously the plot. You know, you know Carrie, the 1976 version, pretty popular, very popular movie. But before we get into the plot of this movie or get into it, uh, let's just provide some context, lay the groundwork for uh, leading into this movie with yeah. the focus of our show. Uh, John Travolta, the man, the myth, the legend. At this point in his career, he had just wrapped up filming The Devil's Reign, a movie that we covered last week on the podcast and that hopefully you've listened to. Um, and he was also co-starring on the show Welcome Back, Cotter, as the character of Vinny Barbarino, which is a lovely name. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, there was um, one day uh, while on the set of Welcome Back, Cotter, this is a fun fact, he... Uh, went to audition for a little movie called Carrie. Uh, he showed up in his costume from Welcome Back, Cotter, did the whole audition, dressed as Vinnie Barbarino, and um, was later cast in this film, directed by Brian De Palma. And uh, the rest is history. It kind of provided the uh, the lightning rod that would propel the rest of his career from this point on. In such a short role, but the fact that the movie was became as big as it was... I mean, it undeniably, like, really helped him in his future career. Yeah, it would help him get Grease and Saturday Night Fever and all the movies that we'll be discussing coming up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is two movies. This is one year before his Saturday Night Fever, which, mm. you know, he got an Oscar nom for that one. Yeah. And so, you know, he really does kick it off fast, quick, and really early. Yes. So, um, but yeah, very much so. This is, like, after Devil's Reign when he was doing the... ABC series Welcome Back Cotter. Um, and as Jeff was saying, how he got into connection to getting into Carrie, 1976. Yeah. Fun fact about him auditioning for this movie is they were auditioning Carrie and Star Wars at the same time. Oh, lovely. So when he went into audition for this, he also probably auditioned for Star Wars. Uh, likely as Han Solo, dressed like, as Vinny Barbarino. Very likely as Han Solo. Um, but that is just a. Uh, Crazy that they were casting those two movies at the same time. I do want to imagine with, him as a Chewbacca 
um, audition. Because yeah. you imagine he's reading the lines and he's like, um, um, excuse me, George Lucas? Like, yeah, yeah. What, 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 what's the question? And he's like, uh, so in the script here, I just like, it says roar. It's like, yeah, yeah, that's what Chewbacca just does. Just roar. Just roar. Just roar. He's like, okay. So it's any kind of roar. And he's like, yeah, just any kind of roar. Just do it whenever you want. It's like, all right. So then John Travolta takes a few steps back. He goes, <laughs> and then Jeff, what did George Lucas say after that? Uh, yeah, uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, we'll, 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 a little faster, more intense. We'll come back later. <laughs> <laughs> so then but, he walks into Carrie, and then he lands that role yeah. of Billy Nolan. You, you know what is funny though? What is funny? Uh, it is with this scenario of them casting at this. Like they were in the same room. Yeah, De Palma and George Lucas, and they just had all these actors reading lines. By all accounts and purposes, George Lucas did not speak at all, and De Palma would uh, do all the auditioning. Yeah. Um, is it highly likely that Carrie Fisher auditioned for Carrie? Oh. Which could have been a lovely scenario was, of Carrie and so Carrie. So I don't want to like make any uh, false claims about her age. Like, How old was she during the ni- in 1976? She was like 18, 19 when I she guess, did Star Wars. I guess it would have been proper age role yeah. for Carrie. I mean, better than Sissy Spacek. Sissy Spacek. She was 27 yeah. when she made this movie. Wow, really? I mean, she looks great. For, she like, does look like, great. She looks like a good 18-year-old. I guess it's just like Princess Leia seems like a more mature yeah. figure in New Hope. Yeah, that, that's the fascinating thing is that Princess Leia feels more mature despite being played by an 18-year-old. Whereas Carrie... Is the opposite. Like, it's the absolute feels opposite. played by a 27-year-old. Very fascinating stuff. Yes. Love where we're going with this already. Anyway, uh, before we get too deep into Star Wars... Uh, <laughs> which we won't on this which podcast. Which John Travolta is not in. Yes, not in at all. Very sadly, he's not in. To our knowledge. Imagine John Travolta as Grand Moff Tarkin. He might have been a stormtrooper like Daniel Craig was in yeah. Force Awakens. John Travolta, John Travolta just walks at me. He's like, the weapon system's on the... I can't do it, Travolta. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm cutting myself <laughs> well, off. Well, I think, to kind of go off Stuart's point, I think... Uh, because we don't know, he could have been any stormtrooper. We have to watch all of the Star Wars films because he might have been in them. Because you know, like Daniel <laughs> Craig was that stormtrooper in Force Awakens that when Ray does the Jedi mind yeah. trick, which he does it very well, almost as good as uh, you know Mandalorian acting right there. Yeah. And there's a deleted scene for the best movie of all time, Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Uh, that is not hyperbole. I think that's a masterpiece. But uh, anyway, you just lost all of our followers. Yeah, we have just lost fifty percent of our viewership. Yep. Uh, thank you all for listening. Which was two people. Thank you all for listening. Uh, this has been Travolting. You can follow <laughs> us at Travolting. <laughs> um, but no, um, it, there's a deleted scene in The Last Jedi where Tom Hardy and Prince William and Prince Harry. Harry's the other one. Mm-hmm. Um, we're Stormtroopers as well. Wow. Deleted. You can watch it on the Blu-ray DVD combo pack. You can probably also watch it on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. But uh, like Carrie. Said, this is not an uh, advertisement for the Star Wars franchise. Uh, Stuart and I will do our podcast Talking Troopers another day and we we discuss in detail every single I had no information about this at all every single Stormtrooper in the movies we're going to have an episode about them yeah Uh, TK we're going to start from TK001 to uh, 2K427 All right. anyway Carrie uh, directed by Brian De Palma came out in 1976 Um, great movie Great movie. Wait, when who directed it and when did it come out again? Brian De Palma in nineteen seventy-six. <laughs> what? So what? for people who can't see, Matt is like grinning and smiling right now, which makes Jeff and I a little concerned because here we are. I'm really hoping Matt's about to say he watched the twenty thirteen carry by accident. <laughs> no. Uh 
No, it's just uh, I believe that is the like seventh time you've said that this is directed by Brian De Palma and came out in 1976. Well, it is directed by Brian De Palma and it did come out in 1976. That's going to be the YouTube comment. Gee, I wonder if this is directed Stuart, by Brian. Did you know that this movie, Carrie, released in 1976, directed by the one and only Brian De Palma? Brian best, De Palma, best known for writing the crawl of the original Star Wars. Wow, it's back to that. Bring us back. Um, so yeah, this is secretly a Star Wars podcast. Hey Jeff, uh, should we talk about the plot of Carrie? We should probably talk about Carrie. <laughs> um, Start episode now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, anyway, so Carrie, uh, based directed on the, Brian De Palma, directed by Brian De Palma. Uh, based on the novel by Stephen King. Mm-hmm. First um, which, uh, novel turned into a movie. Yeah, his first novel in general. Yeah. yeah. Came out in 1974. I decided to be a good podcast host and reread the book prior to watching the movie on Saturday. <sighs> try hard. Um, do you want to know the funniest thing about comparing the book and the movie? Because I would say this, this movie is not particularly chill. Yeah. I would say it's a little brutal at times. Uh-huh. Uh, the book is ten times worse. Like, this movie is a, a family-friendly jaunt compared to the book. In what way? Um, well, you kind of get the impress. I mean, we'll get to it later, but you get the impression in this movie that the mom does have some care for Carrie. Yeah. Um, even if it's very warped. Uh, in the book, she's just like, "I'm gonna stab my daughter." Um, we love to see it. I mean, in the movie, she does stab oh, her daughter. Yes, it does happen the same way, but there's a little more hesitation. There's like yeah. a whiff, a whisper of affection that she might have and towards uh, Carrie as a there's, daughter. There's a lot more murder in the, in the book. Well, yeah. She, the whole, she does uh, burn down an entire school gym with people whole, inside. The whole town gets like destroyed in the book. Yeah. Oh. Like four, 500 people die. Did they do that in the remake? I they did. I, they, they did. They, she oh, like was they more did. destructive in the remake? Yeah. Yeah, this is really She's, she's like walking... Walking down the street in the remake, like actually like throwing cars up and like cracking the concrete of like the street. This is um, going to lead into our our uh, sister podcast, uh, the Moretz Cast, in which we talk about uh, Chloe Grace Moretz's <laughs> career uh, from Carrie twenty thirteen. I can't do this straight now, John. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is already a disaster. Yeah. So wait, this was we were supposed to do this like a straight podcast. I thought this was going to be comedic. <laughs> no, this is a very serious spot investigation. No bits allowed. Yeah. Um, yes. Um, so, in the words of a podcast ten times better than this, this is a no bits podcast. Okay, so Carrie <laughs> anyway. White, a shy, friendless teenage girl who was sheltered by her domineering religious mother, unleashes her telekinetic powers after being humiliated by her classmates at her senior prom. Yes. So, which doesn't happen until the very end of the movie, but it, it remarkably like, similar to Devil's Reign, how we don't figure out what the point of the movie is until an hour in. Great movie, um, both great movies. <laughs> Not a great movie. Anyway, Carrie. So start the movie off with gym class. Uh, there's a bunch of people doing jumping jacks and all that fun stuff. Yep, beautiful crane shot opening. Beautiful crane shot um, pushes into the locker room. Well, where- well, you're. Forgetting, like, when we actually get the introduction to Carrie, it's like, don't toss it, to Carrie. It's a, she's a volleyball gonna... game. Oh, yeah, yeah. The volleyball game. And, and she misses I, the ball, and it we're immediately I actually a... found something really interesting visually, if I could talk about that right now, or if yeah. we want to just... It's just... Uh, I forget the character's name, but she's always wearing a red hat, is one of the... Norma. The, the yeah. I have, I have thoughts. I found that just opening shot really interesting. Or not that introduction shot to Carrie really interesting because immediately you're just like, oh, well, obviously the one person wearing red is the main character, but 
but it's actually the most unassuming person mm-hmm. that's there is your main character and just the way that was shot with and color wise it just it i thought i thought was very good and just immediately like setting your expectations for the film that's actually an interesting point i didn't even think of that that uh the red hack draws your attention and you would assume that you're going to focus on that and then and then the camera keeps moving and then we see yeah. this girl in the back of the court that's presumably not very important totally miss a volleyball shot and that sort of gets into a first introduction of who she is that she's an outsider yeah. and she's known for being an outsider too it's not that people just don't talk to her people choose not to talk to her and That's so an and they choose to be fucking bullies to her yeah which brings <laughs> like, us into the locker room yeah we're in the locker room uh i have a question do you guys think that brian de palma likes psycho in which he uses the psycho music during a, a shower scene at a high school called Bates High School. And when you think he likes I'm just that. like jumping way ahead, but like when they do like butcher a pig, that's called Bates packing. Like yeah. there's a lot of psycho drawbacks to this film. Like those violent I mean, strings. The scores, editing too. Yeah. 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 A lot of it comes back into psycho. Brian Palmer might be a fan, I think. Might be a fan. Possible. Of <laughs> psycho and maybe just Hitchcock. Hitchcock. But yeah, um, Carrie is getting a shower. Um, everyone's kind of getting dressed in the room. They're done with the shower, but she's really luxuriating in the shower. Uh, you can tell that she doesn't get this opportunity that much. And then while she's looking down and washing herself, she notices blood running down her leg. Yes, her period. Uh, she gets her first period. Um, she's justifiably concerned about this and starts screaming. Uh, the rest of the class sees that happening. And they're a bit and, confused because it's like, it's just like, a yeah, period. Yeah, it happens. Um, so they all start throwing tampons and... Plug it and up. Yep. Plug, yeah, it, plug up. it up. Plug it up. Um, One of my favorite lines in the movie. Um, it's actually awful what they're doing to it this is poor, poor girl. Um, she's screaming. She's huddled in the corner, just being pelted by all these sanitary products. Enter. Betty Buckley as the uh, teacher. As Miss Collins. That's right. Yep. She is named Miss uh, Desjardins in the book. It took me a second to figure out what the the producers are like. We're not you... putting somebody named Desjardins. Let's yeah. just change it to Collins. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, but now she's played by the great Betty Buckley, um, who I've only ever seen as an old woman in movies. <laughs> so this great is... job, though. <laughs> so uh, I mean, everybody does a great job in this yes. movie. Really, this is a very well directed movie. Yeah. So she comes in. Uh, she is pushing through the crowd to figure out what's going on. She pushes one girl, Sue Snell. It's a great name the wall and is like why are you doing this and sue like has a realization in that moment eventually she pushes through the crowd grabs carrie and gets her out of there brings her to the principal's office uh, where we have this amazing split diopter shot of carrie and a lot the, of diopter shots in this and the uh what's her name the secretary um where you can kind of see carrie like out of the corner of her eye hoping that this woman doesn't look at her and judge her Meanwhile, these people are walking by the window, staring at her. It's a great scene of visual storytelling. Yeah. It's also, <laughs> when I was writing notes for this movie throughout it, I started by just like writing, the split adapter shot's amazing. Yeah. And then I just did that like every five minutes. Because there's a lot of them. <laughs> because I thought it was like just going to be a power like shot. And then I realized, no, Brian De Palma just likes to use split after shots. Yeah. Uh, so I had to stop writing notes about halfway through this movie because I was just exclusively pointing out how cool split diopters were and having no conversation about anything else that was happening. Yeah. 
So, and also, can we talk about this principal and keep fucking calling her Cassie? <laughs> She's like, <laughs> it's not Cassie, it's Carrie. And then she like tosses off the ashtray, mm-hmm. um, which, so they do give, also, we've kind of forgot about that, that as she's freaking out in the shower, she like breaks a light and we get planted these like subtle little hints of who, what Carrie is capable of. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I would presume like, you know, being that it's a book adaptation, like with anything, like you kind of make this with the assumption that a portion of your audience is already going to know yeah. the history, the story behind Carrie and Carrie having power. So we're not going to like be too subtle about it. Like we're just going to like, sprinkle in some hints that she has these like abilities but they do sprinkle them in throughout so like we have that like the light fixture in the shower then we have the ashtray in the principal's office i find it interesting (coughs) my apologies i find it interesting that uh this movie has a lot of similarities with the shining in that respect yeah they're both not movies based off of stephen king where a character has like telekinetic abilities and the biggest difference between the books and the movies of both of them is that they put less emphasis on that. Yeah. Like in The Shining, it's almost a complete <laughs> afterthought that the kid has The Shining. Yeah. And, uh, Kubrick was obviously much more concerned with the Jack Nicholson plot line and all that. It was very much more of like a cabin fever like yeah. movie. Um, whereas in this film, uh, the tele- in the book, the telekinesis is kind of just slowly ramped up to and there's a lot of explanation as to where it came from and there's like chapters which are just articles about where people hypothesizing where she got it uh but the movie's not concerned with that rightfully so from De Palma's what he's focused on and just wants to be like yeah she has telekinetic abilities let's watch this movie let's watch this stuff happen yeah so after the principal's office uh Carrie goes home yes and then we get introduced to that ama- amazing Piper Laurie who plays Margaret White, who, I, interesting enough, I read some trivia of this movie. Like, she apparently thought it was, like, a black comedy because she thought that her lines were so ridiculous and so, like, over the top. It's like, <laughs> there's no way this is a horror, serious drama movie. Like, Brian was like, no, like, this is really serious. Like, you need to, like, lean yeah. into it. And apparently in interviews like she does, it's like, to this day, I still think it's, like, a comedy. Mm-hmm. And But that being said she plays an amazing fanatic fundamental evangelical mm. christian mom um like from the moment you see her it's and like the production design of the house and her costuming like everything just screams like fanat like fundamentalist christian who maybe is going to mm. go over the edge sometimes yeah cuz i think the first time we see her is she's actually going to sue snell's house to talk to her mom that's the first intro we see of uh, Margaret White. And she's like passing out like not Bibles or like she's spread. She's spreading the gospel. She's spreading the gospel. So I don't know what what affiliation she is. Is she like Jehovah witness or is she in the book? They don't have an affiliation. She feels like affiliations are sinful for the rest of this podcast. I'm going to say she's a Mormon. (laughs) Hello. I have zero context. My name is Elder Margaret. I have zero context to believing Um, if she is Mormon, but I'm just going to assume she's a Mormon. So anyway, continuing on. Uh, Yes, um, we're introduced to her. She's at Sue Snell's house trying to kind of get her mom to read something and also collecting money for um, presumably herself because we never have an affiliation connected to it. Right. Um, She's kind of like her own one-person evangelical. You know, if that's her job, that's what she does to pay the bills. Good on her, man. (laughs) I will do that. (laughs) I mean, 
do a lot of tough things it for was, change. It was really interesting just seeing the house that they live in yeah. and thinking like, especially in with the modern economy. <laughs> <laughs> She's running off of a uh, evangelical uh, yeah. budget. Matt, uh, you're a production designer. That is fun, correct. Fun fact for everyone on this podcast. Uh, uh, Matt is a great production designer. He's worked with me on films in the past. And um, in looking at this house, um, it pretty much looks like it was mostly a set. Uh, is there anything that you find particularly interesting or compelling about this? We're design? talking about well, the White's house, Carrie's the white, house. Yeah, the White's house. Yeah, Not the, the Snell's house. house. Yeah. I, I mean, it was light, and I think that worked really well. It There were some key set decoration elements, but it was really light in the decoration department for the most part. And I think that was really important just to, like, drive your eye to the key things mm. that are just you know she has like the, the last supper up on the wall like up by her dining table and then like in the closet where she puts carrie it's like there's like the bible the fucking terrifying jesus thing <laughs> bright-eyed jesus <laughs> yellow-eyed jesus the thing is so scary i kept expecting it to move i I'll, and i was I like too. i know that that just does not move because like always coming to life <laughs> it's just uh yeah it's it's light and and in a way that makes it that kind of pushes the idea that you know they are not materialistic especially you know she has this sewing machine uh um uh mama white and she has the uh it literally says like their it, the plaque on it has their name on it and you know it's it's kind of I believe in the book, doesn't she, she makes dresses, right? Yeah, they like make doilies and dresses for themselves yeah. rather than purchase. And the mom works at a laundromat right. in the book. Mm. Um, That's interesting. Which is which this movie doesn't feel a need to go into, which fine. Right. Um, but, you know, it's just, it gives the kind of like, um, you know that 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 feeling of just someone who's just so religious, so into their religion, where the only things that look like they're purchased have something to do with religion. Yeah, the only yeah. the you only know? money spent is on their faith. Yeah. Um. So Carrie gets home. Carrie gets home, um, and she goes up to her room, and then we cut to the mom coming home. Margaret walks in the door. Carrie um doesn't want to talk to her. And the mom answers the phone. Carrie perches herself at the top of the steps to listen to what her mom is talking about. And her mom has telepathic powers because she's like, I know you're there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the mom's on the phone. You can see her face falling as she hears from the school what happened during the day. Yeah, that Carrie got her period. Yeah. She tells Carrie to come down. Carrie walks down, um, is beaten by her mother, uh, thrown to the floor, and forced to read... Um, Read Bible verses read. that sort of uh, depreciate her value as a woman. Yeah, as um, about like the sinfulness of sexuality and how the only reason she got her period was because she had sinful thoughts. Yeah, that uh, if you are true and chaste, you will not beco- become a woman. Is what she says. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, so we get that fanaticism from her Mormon mom, and, uh, <laughs> and um. It's a, it's a very brutal sequence. It's, dis- it's disturbing to watch. Um, the Bible verses that she's reading were actually made up for the movie. That's fascinating. Kind of just does this yeah. in- interesting effect of the mom is so like deep into this, even like into this, into her faith 
that it's almost a new level of it. it's a new thing well, beyond it, normal Christianity. That's a good point, Jeff, because even in the movies, she was like making references to like I am the only one who's able to do this because I have such a closeness with God or such mm-hmm. a bridge connected to God. Then I think going off of that point, it's like like she doesn't see herself as simply just like a follower, but like a herald of God. Yeah, like a prophet of some. Yeah, sort. yeah, it's like to the extreme, and so that's where I feel like you know coming up with like fake Bible verses is an interesting point to it. That she feels like, you know, whatever comes out of my mouth is warranted by God because I am like God's herald or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we're reading. true faith. Yeah. You know, Mormonism. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, she locks Carrie in a closet. Yes. Uh, where she oh, must pray. Oh, gosh. Uh, and this is where that terrifying Jesus, terrifying uh, bright eyed Jesus comes in. Uh, <laughs> Matt, if you were addressing uh, this movie, <laughs> um, what would compel you to make? to truly make that thing terrifying. I think it, I think it serves its purpose in that it may, it paints the like her religious beliefs as, as kind of just, you know, terrifying. Like, I think it just gives like the whole religiousness, like, like something like a single icon in this film to like, Mm. be like, this is why it's fucking terrifying. Yeah. (laughs) Tells you everything you need to know. Yeah. Yeah. uh... And just one prop. I will say it was a little too over the top. <laughs> it has glowing eyes. It does. It does seem like it's going to do something. Mm, yeah, the that, whole time, and it never does. I mean, supposedly until the very end, which kind of leaves with some questions that I have. Mm-hmm. But um, I can't. Remember, what, what's the first uh, thing that comes after that? Though? Oh, uh, she comes out. Carrie's locked in the closet, but she exits the closet without the mom unlocking it, and the mom doesn't react which to it. Is a very subtle thing that happens that, that you don't even really notice is that Carrie gets out of the closet without the mom unlocking it. Yeah. And the mom doesn't think anything of it. She's like, Oh, maybe I didn't unlock it or something like that. But yeah. Giving you another one of those subtle hints about her abilities that are coming. Yeah. Um, it's another cool split diopter between the mom sewing, uh, apathetic to Carrie and Carrie emerging from the closet. We love those diopter shots. We do. And then there's another awesome shot when she gets up to her room and, looks at herself in the mirror. Um, oh, and then yeah. it rack focuses through the mirror to the Jesus portrait on the yeah, wall. I love oh, it. So good. That's a good one. Yeah. And then the mirror shatters, right? The the, view, yeah. the listener at home right now must be so excited to hear me describing these shots that they cannot currently it, look at. That had such a cool mirror effect too, yeah. where the mirror was warping. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I wonder yeah. how they did that. Oh, like, yeah. If there's someone like behind it, like maybe pushing it, or if they have somebody on the edge of the mirror, like, flexing the mirror or something that i'd be really interested in knowing. yeah it, it probably be it probably has uh what i would what i would assume is that it's it's like an acrylic yeah you know something a little fl- more flexible than normal glass with like aluminum tape on the back so you could still do it still will reflect like a mirror and you could warp it a little bit more mm-hmm. to just give that like that like it almost felt like a heartbeat where it was just like reaching out you know you you have your theories but the way they actually did it is it is a oh, okay. it's a mocap performance. Uh, Andy Circus is playing the mirror. <laughs> Insert bit number three. <laughs> uh, Andy Circus is playing the mirror in the, he plays the mirror throughout this whole movie. Um, he's up there in the dots. I mean, I was so ready to hear how they actually did it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I do not. I would assume the acrylic way that you were uh, referring to is probably or you know style. it's like foil or something. It's definitely not real glass. Yeah. It's a cool effect, whatever it is. It's very cool. Um, but after that, um, Carrie returns to bed 
Um, and we cut back to the school the next day. Yeah. Carrie was told she didn't have to come to gym class, but uh, Miss Collins comes into the room, uh, like rage in her eyes, and she chews out the class. Yeah. She chews out Norma with her red hat. Miss uh, Collins to the rescue. She chews out, um, what's her name? Um, she's at Snoo for Amy being Irving. a bad, being a good person who made a bad choice. Uh, and she yells at Chris. That's the name. Chris Hargison played by Nancy Allen. Um, who was kind of the ringleader and in some respect, the most popular girl in the school. Uh, she chews her out specifically for kind of leading the like witch hunt against Carrie during that classroom. Witch hunt. Good choice of words. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, <laughs> She tells them all that she, her punishment for them was that they would get their prom tickets revoked and would receive three days suspension. But the but instead, instead they only have to do five days of detention with Miss Collins. With Miss Collins, it's something that's interesting to me. Is it seems that their detention is just to be in gym class during <laughs> yeah. their gym period. Yeah, it's very. What do you really think about it? It's like we're, I'm your punishment is I'm going to get you fit <laughs> into those dresses. <laughs> All these people just walk out swole. They're going to be class. so fit and like they're definitely getting pregnant after prom. Like, <laughs> like you know, you assume because Carrie gets to do whatever she wants during that period that it is their gym period because Carrie's excused from gym. Yeah. Forever. Yeah, and it's like, so so their detention is just you're doing exercise during gym class. It's very strange. We never see the actual detention, or we presume that that it, is the detention. It's just well, them yeah, doing vigorous exercises. Because uh, Chris Harkinson, oh, yeah, like, she... it, at the 10 minutes left with the period, is like, no, fuck this. <laughs> just leaves. And, uh, it just leaves. Suspension and... Uh, no prom it's her tickets. prom ticket re- re- revoked. Yeah, yeah, very but it's proud. like, you know, it just like I said, it's interesting in that it just seems like the detention is just gym class during mm-hmm. gym yeah. time. <laughs> it's like, um, sure, I'll do that as a punishment. <laughs> I'll just go to class. But um, there's that uh, Miss Collins, um, because Chris ref- kind of balks at all the exercises they're being forced to do. And there's some weird, like, fun jaunty music playing over their exercise. Well, it's like um, exercise videos from, yeah. like, the 70s. It's like, yeah. and, my, squat, and, down. <laughs> my favorite little little part in that is, like, at one point she, like, because Norma's doing it wrong. Yeah. And she's, like, she, like, stops, like, because, you know, she's, like, come on, keep going, keep going, keep going. And then the music stops. And she's, like, Norma, come on. Like, fix your whatever she was doing wrong. And then the music keeps going. It's just, like, this brief little pause that does not fit in this movie yeah. at all. There's some weird moments of comedy that I love. Yeah. Also, shout out Norma for wearing that hat. Um, all throughout the in movie. Gla- every, she wears it in the halls. In, she wears it at the prom. See, I don't. She's know where, wearing a dress and still has that hat on. I don't know where. Also, you guys that went hat to has a rainbow. So, uh, in my head, uh, uh, Norma is gay. Oh yeah, <laughs> interesting. It makes it. Very it does have a rainbow, like on on the side of it. Mm. I'm getting all the theories coming in now. But no, I, what Norma I want gay get, confirmed. Yeah, what I wanted to get to was Miss Collins slapping Chris across the face during yeah. that detention scene when she's like. Chris is just like storming off, and it's like I'm not gonna do this. And she uses, which is the second person she slaps because she also slaps Carrie. 
Right. Because yeah. she slapped Carrie in the shower. She's like, yeah. get a hold of yourself, man. <laughs> and uh, But she slaps like Chris. And she's like, yeah. you can't do that to me. And I'm like, bitch, we're in the 70s. <laughs> you can do that. I can hit you all I want. And your parents before can't they say were, shit. Before... Um, I'm forgetting what the name of the, the protection thing. against kids. <laughs> yeah, there, there was there's some in loco parentis. I think that's it. Oh, uh, I believe in loco so. parentis. Um, but yeah, she uh, she slug, she slugs Chris and slaps her, and uh, Chris storms off. Her prom tickets revoked. Um, Norma looks upset about this. That's actually an, an interesting point you brought up, Matt, because combining the rainbow, I mean, whatever it means. Um, Norma has like a very close attachment to Chris in the movie. Yeah. And I almost wonder if that's like a subtle mm. point that because I mean, I, I just think it was I mean, realistically, it was just a rainbow on her hat. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> you know. But, yeah. I mean it, Um It's it's just it's it's a fun little thing. Yeah. Well, you know, Carrie is a girl who has qualities of herself that make her unacceptable to her religious mom. And one can only true. draw assumptions that one is a metaphor for another, and therefore this is actually an LGBTQ themed film. There's an there's an argument to be made um, that Carrie is representative of that. Yeah, I'm not sure it was Stephen King's intent in a way. Right. But the movie is kind of in some regards just about sexual freedom. Yeah. And that can be, or not clamping down someone's sexuality for. Well, right. When you yeah. repress someone so much, they push you, out, lash you, out. You you violently. you lash out. You push out, and you end up killing your entire school and the entire town. And yes. so you result in 500 people dying. Right. That is the message of the core yep. message of this movie. It's about the the pressures of control told through religious fervor yeah. and uh, sexual repression. So after the gym scene. Yes, after after the gym scene. We're 30 minutes in. <laughs> we're like 10 minutes into the movie. No, we we got we got time. We got time. Yeah. Um after the gym scene, we're back at No, we're not. Where are we right after that? Well, I wrote down John Travolta gets introduced thirty minutes see, into the movie. We see the. We, I believe the next thing is we see uh, uh, Norma with John Travolta and uh, not Norma. Uh, uh, Sue Chris. Uh, or Chris. Chris. Yeah. Oh, with John Travolta. That's what happens next. Is Sue has the idea with Tommy. Oh, right. right. Yes. Yeah. Sue yeah. feels bad about um, being a part of the mob against Carrie. So she, um, which I love. That was like such like a nice thing, and I'm just like. Ugh. And they'd be doing it yeah. probably for the wrong reasons, in the sense that she needs just to like alleviate the guilt yeah, from she, herself. She's trying to remove her own guilt. Yeah. So like, can we really call it selfless? Like, it's, it's not equally really. as selfish as it is selfless. Yeah. yeah. Still a really because like I love how Tommy and maybe jumping a little too far ahead just get kind of gets into it. You know, he's like, Tommy, you know what? Tommy's genuinely interested in asking Carrie out. He's like, you know what? Like, I'm with Sue, but I'm gonna show Carrie a good time and like. Mm. you know show and over her. time yeah he like it, it, actually i'll save this for later because okay. uh we, it's it's the climax of the film <laughs> that i wanted to talk about yeah it's, uh, and we're not quite there yet so but, we get we go into the um sue talking to tommy yeah, about and she convinces my, tommy to um ask uh carry out as an apology which but, i mean i go to prom with tommy i'm not gonna lie his hair is insane his hair it is the craziest thing I've ever but seen. But when we get to Travolta yeah. in a minute, oh, yeah, Travolta's got the hair. He was a good, movie. he was a good looking guy. He's a good but looking before guy. Before we get into that, the this just came into my mind by what we were just talking about and whether Sue's act is selfish or selfless. I think it's very interesting, both in the movie and in the book, that Sue's action is 
in some roundabout way what results in the destruction of the school at the end. Yeah. And so while Sue's not the focus of this movie or book, she's not the main character, there's a compelling point that it's Sue's selfishness. She's the inciting incident. It's her selfishness in doing a selfless thing that corrupts the act and results in the the destruction at the end. That like doing a good thing for the wrong reason is just as bad as doing a wrong thing. That's interesting. So I think there's a kind of a compelling point with that. But like you felt through the movie, like I I was I was enjoying what Sue and Tommy were doing. Like mm-hmm. I thought they're doing a nice thing. Like even if it's for the wrong reason, I mean they're doing something great yeah. for Carrie. But yeah, in the end, it's like where that foundation came from was I need to alleviate this guilt. You know what I did to carry yeah. is a horrible thing, and so I'm gonna and have my she's boyfriend gonna be haunted by it for the rest of her life as we see the as we see at the very end. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Uh, next scene is the introduction of our man John, John Travolta. Travolta. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I love this bit that we're doing. This is <laughs> like enter. <laughs> this is a lovely scene. I love John Travolta this in this is movie. Such an American graffiti like scene. I love John Travolta They're in this movie. Speeding down the highway, he's in a nice the car. Rock music. Got the windows down. It tells you everything you need to know about his character. Oh he's man, a, I, I love I love how he's him sipping the beer because like his friend I roll, love, his friend rolls by and he just takes a swig. These girls roll by, he winks at them and takes another swig. The cops roll by, he's like scrambling to to drop the beer. (laughs) I love that it follows, you know, the, it, it it really, this film, like, like, like you guys have been kind of alluding to a little bit. It does really feel like a comedy at points. It follows the comedic rule of threes Mm -hmm. in this scene where, you know, you get the first car where it's the guys like his, his buddies and they toss him a beer and they're like, Hey, you come into this place with us. And And he's like, no, I'm with Chris. They toss him a beer and he starts drinking and then it's the other girls who like are next. And then it's the cops. I just think, you know, yeah, it like it, it is really it just has a lot of comedic like foundations into it. There's some really funny stuff in here. This this scene especially. Yeah. And uh, we got to talk about his hair. Because it is the best hair I've ever seen. John. Tra- it's better than Greece. It's better than Greece. And it's better. Than are Sinai you saying Hebrew. that Greece is not the word? Uh, <laughs> I'm saying that out of all John Travolta hairdos that I have seen and who knows, I might see another movie where he has long hair and I'll feel differently. But to this Old day, two episodes in, I'm going to say this hair is the best hair. All right. Uh, well, now you got to keep up with that. You know, <laughs> we're going to do the hair ranking. I will do the hair ranking. With at, John the, at the end of this podcast, we will rank all 66 movies and we will rank all 66 hairdos. Currently as it stands, uh, Carrie, number one, devil's reign number two and then i'm sure devil's reign is going to fall deeper on the list because <laughs> he's uh he's wearing a hood you never see you never, you see, never his see his hair in devil's reign he's always wearing a hood what a movie what a movie um so oh there's more so, in the car scene that i want to yeah, talk about so we're, we're, we're in the car chris and uh her boyfriend billy nolan uh another good name great name uh, and they're driving down and chris is bothered by obviously that she doesn't get her prom tickets. Yeah. But she's just trying to get Billy as mad as she is. And Billy's kind of resistant of it. He's just a devil may care, like Hellraiser type. I just wrote down long, luscious hair, dumb boyfriend of the main bully. Yes. Yeah. Um, and he's just, he's, he's ready to just go along with whatever Chris wants to do. Yeah. In a respect with his hair. Um, they get into a little fight. Um, and it's not until Chris finally says, I just hate Carrie White. 
Yeah. That the um, have sex together. Uh, then, they go to third base. They go to. Th- I thought they. She gives him a blowjob. Oh yeah, that's yeah. what happens. And this is what I want to talk about. So I wrote down um, blowjob scene. She keeps saying his name while doing it. Yeah. So like, presumably she's like going down on him, and you just keep hearing like Billy. I th- isn't she saying Carrie? No, she's saying. No, Bi- uh, no, Why I, would she say Carrie's no, name I, I thought she while said, blowing her boyfriend? No, I, I thought it she, does. I, it does get to the point where she's like, "I I hate Carrie White." Yeah, while that's, he's that, doing that's, what okay. that's what happens. That's what happens. As she's but like, that's like going the down end on, of the scene, but oh, yeah. it is just her like just saying Billy the whole time. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, is she just like Giving with her head at his crotch, just <laughs> Billy? Just staring at it. There's just a lot of questions. Billy. Just staring at it. And just saying Billy. And, mm. But Josh Travolta, he's obviously the best actor of all time. So he's like going with it. Like it's like, yeah. So Brian De Palma's like, okay, so she's like, you know, giving you a blowjob during the scene, right? So you're like trying to enjoy it. He's like, okay, cool. And he says, and action. And so they go in for it. And like he's pretend he's doing a really good job. And then he, but he doesn't realize that Nancy Allen playing Chris is has her line that says, uh, Billy. And so as the scene's going on, this is on take one, right? On set, okay? Mm-hmm. And he's doing his performance. He's pretending he's getting a blowjob. And then Nancy Allen says, Billy. And he's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. I thought this was a blowjob scene. <laughs> 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 and then Brian sees, uh, Brian sees John Travolta's face. Like, all right, let's cut. And like, uh, John, is everything okay? What's the issue? It's like, uh, Brian, I just thought, like, isn't she supposed to be, like, sucking me off during the scene? It's like, yeah, but she's also, like, saying your name, you know, getting you worked up and getting you, like, more agreeable. It's like, but, like, my penis is in her mouth, Brian. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, but, like, just imagine, like, you know, she takes breaks and she says your name and then goes back in then takes breaks. I, also, I love, name. I love how much of that is just, uh... ADR. It's totally ADR. Oh, it's totally yeah. done in done afterwards. Just all those lines. Oh, that know, changes everything. That changes everything. Because like, in the scene, it's, like, it's oh, totally sorry. EQ differently than the like. It's it's has like some sort of filter or something. It sounds different than the rest yeah. of the dialogue yeah. in that scene. <laughs> that makes it different because then you have to realize it's an she choice. didn't have any lines. So there's this 30 seconds of just that going on. And John's like, are we going to cut? I think we got it. I think we got it, Brian. Are we going to cut? And he's like, no, 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 no. I, I, I want this for like 30 seconds. It's like, okay. And it just keeps going. <laughs> just like, uh, Brian, I really think we got it. That would have been a deeply uncomfortable scene or day on set. Um, but yeah, she I wanna, ends. I wanna, I'm so glad on, we talked I wanna about talk, this. I'm sorry. I want to talk about something that happens right before that, though. Mm. Is that, you know... He gets distracted by like talking to to her while they're driving, and oh, yeah, he, he, they almost get into an accident. And you know he swerves because because she's like Billy as they're like about to hit someone, and it is the tiniest motion I've ever <laughs> seen on a steering wheel. Where it just feels like like he was like, oh yeah, I gotta move like I, I'm trying to like describe it rather than just like show it because this is a podcast, but it's like. It's literally like the equivalent of just moving from like, you know, like like twelve o'clock to like one to like twelve <laughs> one. You know, it's like, and and then we get the the wonderful ADR line of the guy in the car being like, "Watch it, you moron." <laughs> they are clearly. Where does this take place at? Uh, the book is set in New England, but it seems because like the movie's set in the Southwest. They all have accents. That's right. 
Yeah, because because I mean it is a it is a Stephen King film, so it's set in Maine. Right, everything is set. in it, Maine The book, the book is set in Maine because it's Stephen King. Yeah, and I would it sound. Let me figure out where they shot this movie. They shot it in Santa Paula, California. So I would assume that they kind of just re like moved the setting to the southwest. Get rid of the palm trees. Yeah. Yeah. The De Palma trees. So after the illustrious... The Brian De Palma trees. <laughs> uh, 1976, Brian De Palma. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, so after the illustrious car blowjob scene... Um, Tommy asked Carrie out. Yep. Uh, Carrie's just hanging out um, in the library. She's researching telekinesis uh, to figure out, why can I move things? Yeah. She's, <laughs> she's justifiably a little concerned about this. And she's looking at a lot of different books, and she's like trying to pick one out. She has a lot at her disposal. And, There's a lot of books written about, you know. Yeah, the school library has a weirdly large telekinesis. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm trying to remember what some of the titles were, but it's like, you know. The Secrets of the Mind. The Secrets of the Mind. The Science of. I love know. how all of it was under, because she like goes through like a, like almost like a Rolodex type thing. Yeah. Of like where all the books are. And she goes under miracles, and that's where all of the telekinesis <laughs> books are, are under miracles. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I'm at the library, I just go to the miracles section, and I find all my books about abilities. Dude, that's like all I do in the library. Yeah. Just go in the miracles section, find one, and you just you pick up a line, and then you yeah. use it on a girl. Like, hey, girl, but, you want to uh, talk about the science of miracles? <laughs> but uh, who walks into the library? Uh, but Mophead himself... Uh, Tommy Ross show some respect his his hair every step he takes his hair bounces like two feet up it's I love it crazy you think they had to do something about that in production they're like ah it's it's going up about three feet we need hairspray it's it's the craziest hair reading the book I did not imagine him looking like that so that was a bit of a shock when I yeah. re- watched the movie right after the book um but he walks up to her uh, and he asks her out to the prom as he was put up to by Sue and he agreed to do it uh carrie immediately just says no thinks that she's being punked yeah thinks he's messing yeah. with her and she Rightfully runs off so. yeah understandably so but even even added to that it's like she wouldn't be able to she, she can't say yes you know based on like how her mom feels about yeah. stuff like yeah a lot of elements in play here so she thinks she's putting her in an impossible position because she does have feelings for him she has a crush on him and she complimented his poem in an earlier scene yeah, uh, which I forgot to mention. Which I totally thought that scene was going to end up like, oh yeah, I copied that off of Sue. <laughs> like mm, that, yeah. to me, I was like, I was not expecting that to actually be a uh, a Tommy Ross original. I was expecting it to be that classic high school scene where it's like the teacher's like, "Boy, Tommy, this handwriting sure yeah. is different from your own." But no, Tommy genuinely wrote a beautiful poem. That that's, very anti jock stereotype. That's the the bit in the book with him is that he's like set up like this. Typical jock, but and he's great at baseball, but that he wants to go for an English degree. Um, And that he's actually just a very normal, sensitive guy. Sit on my face, Tommy. Um, (laughs) uh, I also, I I, I love, it's like a little, just a tiny line where he just, you know, the, 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 the professor, the the teacher in that class, like it just starts being like a dick to carry. Yeah. Yeah, because you know he he's like, could I? Does anyone have any critiques for for uh, uh, this poem <laughs> for Tommy's poem? And Carrie just kind of goes, "It's beautiful." beautiful. 
And and the teacher is just like, beautiful. oh yeah, what a, what a fucking critique beautiful is. <laughs> and and Tommy just under his breath like, you suck. Yeah. Tommy is and, the only person in this book who has a genuine care for Carrie, who actually kind of sees her as a person instead yeah. of an object right. of redemption. And it's like, I, I kind of wish that was developed a little bit more yeah. earlier on. Like, like. I mean, before he asks her to prom and like between that scene and when he asked her to prom, I wish there was like a little bit more development in that area yeah. where you kind of really cement the fact that Tommy is like really nice. And because the whole time he seems and rightfully so, he's like hesitant to do it. Mm. But um, I think it'd be more interesting if you had a little bit of like another scene that was like him doing something else nice for Carrie. Yeah. But genuinely um my, my, i think it would be my only issue with this movie is that i think it could use about 10 more minutes in the like first half yeah yeah i would agree um, I, to I kind of agree. beef up the character relationships and go a little more into the telekinesis maybe um i and think the, that stuff's all present the prom, in the book but I, they didn't really put it in the movie and i think that's slightly yeah. to the detriment of the movie yeah doesn't take away it's a great movie but i think it's missing about 10 minutes of development there Mm-hmm. I think I think the prom in general it was like half it was like half the movie. Yeah. And I think that just needed to get cut down in favor of more character development yeah. in general. Well, we're going to get to it, but when we talk about the scene when Sue in slow motion is looking up the rope and sees the bucket and then looking down like that whole realization bit when she's like realizing what's about to happen takes way too long because <laughs> it's like slow motion she's looking up the rope, up the rope, sees the bucket okay. And it's like, oh, I wonder what that we'll, bucket's attached to. And then she we'll looks get, down. We'll get to the problem. Yeah. We'll get to the we'll problem. Get, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get to, we'll get to the ridiculous. Um, uh, Carrie runs off after Tommy asks her. Um, Sissy Spacek is just such good casting for this movie. Yeah. Which actually, I have an interesting note about the casting. Really? What Real quick. Uh, so this this film was art directed by by Jack Fisk, who, you know, very big production designer, did, uh, you know, The Revenant, uh there will be blood among other things, you know, very successful production designer. He likes um, a the, lot of blood. Apparently at, at this, at this point in time, production designer was not a term. Mm. Um, the, the lead in the art department was the art director. And so uh, he art directed this film and Sissy Spacek was not considered for Carrie at all at first, but Jack, uh, Jack Fisk is her husband and convinced Brian De Palma to cast her. Really? And uh, the person who was actually going to play Carrie was Amy Irving, who plays Sue. Interesting. That is really interesting. Yeah. I don't think that casting would have worked. I mean, this they got the perfect people for all these roles. Amy, yeah. I, I can't see Amy Irving being Carrie with all due respect because she has more of a... Like a, I don't want to say innocent vibe, but like just, I don't know. Like she plays but, Sue so well as like she's part of the popular girls, but she's not like a demented... That's demonic that, the, freak. the thing that works so well about Sissy Spacek is she is she's a interesting looking person. Yeah, like her face doesn't really conform to like the typical like beauty standards or anything like that. Especially at that time. Yeah, but she doesn't look bad. Is, right. Yeah. Like that's like the thing that works so well about her look in this movie is that she's she looks very abnormal. I guess is a way to say it. Um, but. Around the end, when she has some more confidence, she's a very like beautiful looking person. 
in her own way. And that's kind of what the movie is getting to, I suppose. Yeah. What happens after the Tommy scene? We've been on that one for a little bit. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Tommy scene. Uh, she, runs off. she goes home, and doesn't he like come back to her house? I, d- I think there's something yeah. in between that, but... He comes to her uh, house. Yeah, because... Oh. oh, between that is... Uh, the pigs. She no, she she is in uh like like uh they're they're having another gym detention and um I'm 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 bad at character names. Miss Collins sees Carrie like just hidden away in like a corner and and Miss Collins confronts Carrie um or like talks to Carrie and Carrie oh, yeah. talks about how, how Tommy asked her to prom and you know uh Miss Collins tries to be like, Hey, you know, this could be a good thing. He's cute. Mm-hmm. And then she confronts um Miss Collins confronts Sue and, Sue and Tommy, Tommy. Yeah. Because like, uh what are you guys you know, doing? Rightfully and, so. Yeah, and then we you know, I, I there was just this this line where it's like it, it feels so antiquated that that she was like, you know, without a date you can't go to prom. <laughs> and and I'm like, like, yeah, oh. I guess I'm just not going to prom. <laughs> like Sue just it, I mean I think it's interesting that Sue gives up entirely going to prom. Yeah. Glad those rules weren't in effect when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. In, in a sense, <laughs> Sue's kind of doing this act of contrition where she's taking her own sacrifice to help Carrie, which she thinks too wrong, too or right makes a wrong or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're confronted by Miss Collins. Tommy insists that he's doing it out of genuine goodwill, and then he goes to her house. Yeah. And uh, isn't I'm trying to think there's a line that Lori says before she like answers the door. Maybe it's after that. But uh, Piper Lori has this amazing line when like Carrie is saying something that's like, uh, oh, well, like it gets rid of the pimples, mom. And Piper Lori is like pimples are the Lord's way of chastising you. Yeah, (laughs) That is like, (laughs) man, (laughs) like. Listen, I don't agree with her Mormon ways, but that is like too real. <laughs> and to any like middle school, high school girl out there listening to our podcast, God bless you for listening this long. But hey, the pipers, the pimples are the Lord's way of chastising you. So, comment from Carrie. Comment from Piper Laurie in the film Carrie, directed yeah. by Brian De Palma, released in 1976. 76. Uh, anyway, so Tommy comes to her house to ask her, um, out to prom yep. try and get her in the room um and piper Lar- or her mom is sleeping yeah uh carrie just only cracks the door open and tommy refuses to leave until she says yes i love this scene because it's like the first time we actually see like carrie has a sense of awareness mm-hmm. outside of like she thinks people think she's weird because she knows like well aren't you gonna go with sue or like yeah i don't think this like my mom's not gonna like it and like it, this the dialogue seems almost like at, like out of character for Carrie as it's like the social recluse because she speaks like like she's aware of things and I wrote that down where it's like you know at first I thought she was just like a socially awkward person and there wasn't much more dimensionality to it but it's the in this scene when Tommy confronts her a second time to ask her to prom when like you get a lot of like from Carrie of like oh like she's aware of things like she yeah. knows what's going on and she knows like hey even if this isn't a prank, like I really don't want to do this because my mom is a freak and you're dating Sue and I just don't do that stuff very well. 
And I thought it was a great moment of character development for Carrie. Yeah. Tommy's um, insisting upon her coming. It's uh, he's been a little bit of a dick. I mean, he obviously doesn't know her situation, but he's like, "I'm not leaving unless you come." And he's like the the, the clingy guy type. A little yeah. bit. Uh, it would. Uh, it's definitely a bit of an antiquated thing in his uh, his insistence. Yeah. Um, but she does agree to get him to uh, to leave. Hi, Dell. Uh, Jeff says hi. For, pe- for people who are listening, uh, we have Matt Abaldi on video chat, and uh, uh. we can see uh, uh, Dell, <laughs> who is also in the apartment. <laughs> so, you paused to say it, so I was like, I got Yeah. <laughs> All right. And that will, be, that will be cut out. <laughs> no, it won't. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to Travolting. Today we are covering the 1976 Brian Fallen film. Start, <laughs> start episode now. Uh. Oh, uh, this is <laughs> no, this is no, this is good. This is good. Okay, so um, after Tommy is insisting, she eventually says yes. Yeah, she eventually says yes, and Tommy leaves. Yeah. Um. Next scene is the pigs. I have a great line here by Travolta. So we're forty-four minutes. John in. Travolta's just walking in. So and he's gonna. I'm gonna kill some pigs. They're walking in. <laughs> no, was more. And by the way, we just—it's Bates High School. Is Bates, that, yeah, Bates Packing Mill. Bates. Bates Packing Mill is the name of this like plant. So uh, even more psycho, you know, overtones here. But when they go in to like get a pig, first off, they get in way too easily. Like if that's like how you can like get into like a meat packing plant and just get a pig, like why aren't pigs going missing every day? I don't know why. I mean, I want a pet pig. So uh, yeah, and it's so easy apparently. So they they <laughs> they I'm putting air quotes up. Sneak into this place. They don't sneak. They just walk in, and uh, they he hands I think. Is this Travolta do it? Travolta does it. Yeah, yeah because he he hops in because a friend's like too like chicken to do it. So he gets in. But what before he does that, like Travolta, and I wrote this down as a quote, is yelling, get her done, man. Get her done. <laughs> yeah, in the just, most just get, like, get her done. Get her done. In the get most like it's three times. He does it three I, fucking times. In the most hick way. John Travolta. In the most hick way possible, which is not really like jockey, but he says yeah. it kind of with a hick twang. Yeah. And I'm just like, get her done, man. Get her done. John, John Travolta <laughs> rules because he has that like accent. Uh, in spite of being from New Jersey, <laughs> has, in so many of his movies, he has like a uh, like almost that hick accent. I'll, sometimes, but he's always yeah. playing good looking bad boys. Yeah, um, I don't know where it is. So they kill a pig. Literally. Yeah, they kill a pig, and it gets blood. There's a beautiful scene. Um, maybe not beautiful, but <laughs> there's a great like quick montage of him hitting it and thrusting, and Chris getting aroused by it. Do you get aroused by it, Jeff? No. But uh, Chris... Just, just want to clear the air here, because yeah. yeah. our audience is a little confused right now. Because also, know, Chris is just like, yes, 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 as he thrusts his hammer and kills this pig. Chris? Right. Or... Well, also, what an inefficient way to kill a pig if you want its blood. <laughs> oh, it with a yeah. Hammer. <laughs> you, you smash it to death with a sledgehammer. <laughs> Yeah, not a great way. In the but book, to our audience, knife, I just want to say Jeff was not turned on by that scene. I just want to make that very clear. Um, so people weren't confused no, but, by but, it. But Chris was. 
I'm just saying the way you were describing it, you were saying it really slowly, and I was like, "What's going on here, Jeff?" But I, but I know Jeff is a good friend of I think, mine, folks. I think, uh, he was uh, not turned on the, uh, by the pig uh, sledgehammer scene. The hair rankings, the John Travolta hair rankings. You need to have a a ranking of uh, scenes that turn Jeff on. <laughs> oh no, I would I would say. And Currently, this is number one. Uh, there was something in uh, Devil Reigns I think is going to take Trump over that. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, anyway. Anyway. Um, I was going to say, I love that this sequence is, the, like, it's a sex scene without the sex. Like, the whole thing. Like, no, no. Jeff, I'm, I'm trying to do you some favors here. No, I'm, I'm trying. No, and, and now it's number one for sure. No, for, Brian De Palma is such a good director. He uses this in keeping with the movie's themes about like sexuality and whatnot. He's using this scene as like what the only thing that can turn Chris on is her hatred for Carrie. Like when she's going down on Billy earlier, she has to say Carrie at the end to finish. Now that they're in there, the thing that's really arousing her is that this is going to harm Carrie. And so I think that's a good bit of character that he makes this essentially a sex scene without the sex of just Travolta killing a pig and Carrie finding it powerful for her. Jeff is not turned on by this scene. I'm making that clear. Me out here trying to have real ideas. I'm j- I am uh, helping you, man. I'm telling our audience you were not turned on by that scene. So after they kill a pig yes, and they drain kill its a pig, blood. Um, they drain its blood, put in some buckets. Blood. And then they go to, I don't know if this happens exactly, but they go to the high school. And uh, Chris, prom's happening pretty soon after this. Yeah, prom's happening soon after this. Chris and Billy uh, hang up the pig's blood in the bucket on the rafters above the uh, the stage, prom, above the stage in the in the auditorium. Yeah, or gym. Room. Also, they get one of uh, they get one of their friends to like talk to the person organizing yeah. the prom. <laughs> And it's and I I just thought it was so. It's such a funny. I mean, that's scene. just a little funny little bit where yeah. this guy like walks up to the to the prom organizer and is like, "Hey, I want to you know be involved in organizing prom." And then the guy's like, "It's tomorrow." <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah." And the guy's like, "Well, can you show up at six thirty tomorrow?" He's like, "I'll be there at eight. I'll be there at eight. And what job does he ask, nonetheless, but to count the ballots? Yeah. it's like. To collect and count the ballots, yeah. Like, okay, listen, Peter. I don't know if that guy's name is Peter, the guy who is in charge yeah. of the prom. But Peter, listen to me. If you're out there, if if some guy comes up to you and it's like the day before prom and he has a history with some of the people that are going and he asks you, I want to count the prom ballots, don't fucking get, let him count the prom ballots. Like, I, I heard that in the, the Bates County, there was a lot of fraudulent balloting going on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no! No! Moving on! Moving on! A lot of fake news. Stop! No! <laughs> I'm so sorry. Okay, so he starts counting the ballots. Yes, um, there's a lot of fraudulent balloting. Uh, oh my you God. know, we're, we're showing up at Bates to A lot of illegal ballot counting. Uh, <laughs> Stop the count. Some people who were dead were, were voting in ballots, yeah. so... Yeah, okay. Well, I heard there were dead people voting in... Uh, yeah. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Uh, this is being recorded two days before the inauguration. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Um, okay, so prom. Prom. Yeah, uh, well, first, Carrie tells her mom she's going to prom. Oh, this scene. Um, and they're at the dinner table, and Carrie says, I'm going to prom, and her mom th- throws her tea at her, and Carrie is... Sp- sloshed with tea 
there's a very cool it's really cool how it outlines up the sea hits her and carrie closes her eyes is shocked and all the lights in the room go off all the candles snuff out and all the overhead lighting turns off carrie ain't got time for this shit no more she's reaching kind of the apex of her powers good um, choice of words and dude. she's telling her mom i am going to the prom you cannot control me i don't believe you anymore the apex of her powers yeah it's a good good line um but she does so um and the mom is starts praying and telling her you're sinful you are evil um and carrie uses her abilities and like throws her mom down and says i am going i am making my dress um, it's a very good scene in which Carrie finally kind of achieves control of her situation, um, which will lead to unfortunate events. Before that moment, Carrie has finally, you know, become herself. Uh, the next sequence is... I would say that's the scene where she, like, officially takes control yeah. of the situation. She becomes Carrie, the yeah. titular Carrie. The titular uh, she's Carrie. no longer Margaret White's daughter. She is Carrie. She is Carrie with two R's. Broken free. Um, next Not scene, Cassie. <laughs> Cassie. Not Cassie, not yeah, Cassie. Not Cassie. Carrie. Um, but the next scene, she's made her dress. She's waiting in her bedroom. And her mom is like pacing back and forth, being like, Oh, you're in a dress. The men can see your dirty pillows, is what she calls her breasts. They're breasts, mom. Every woman has them. <laughs> um she's, she's like, Oh, first come first comes the blood, then comes boys. They and sniff it out. They sniff it out. Um, they take you to a roadhouse. Her mom was herself abused as a yeah. as a younger woman. Yeah. And I'm in sure some way that's laughing. what led to her um yeah. like fundamentalist beliefs. She was saying, but I liked it. And I should have like she said something like I should have like let you go, let you yeah, be with she God. Should've, I should have killed you when you were born. Well she said, I should have let you be with God. She yeah. didn't say kill, which I thought was very interesting. Yeah, that's that's she to says, her like, death is just sending someone to God to be sorted out. Yeah. But um it's not murder. Her mom's like, I'll and this is the one moment that's very different from the book. In the book, her mom locks herself in a closet and prays when Tommy comes. I like that here, her mom, like, you get a hint that she actually does care about Carrie. And she's like, if you stay, I'll go down and tell him you're sick. Like, right. She's willing to just go and tell Tommy that Carrie's sick to keep her away from the prom. Yeah. She's like using her last, she's trying her last effort to keep Carrie under her sway. Um, but Carrie uses her powers and like attaches her to the bed. <laughs> uh, and then she looks at the window and Tommy shows up. Carrie goes out to meet him and they head to prom. I was shocked to discover that they get to prom before the hour mark of this movie. They yeah. are, they are at the prom at the 57 point, which is wow. crazy. Well, it goes to show how long this prom, the prom is like on. a 40 minute sequence. Yeah. It goes on yeah. for a while, but can we just talk about and Matt? I got to pull you in on this one. The production design of the prom. The prom is beautiful. Holy it is very shit. beautiful. But I also I love that it's beautiful, but still a little high school cheesy. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, like you, the first shot that you see is like the the outside where they have the sign over over the door, and it's like some of the letters are a little uneven. You know, you could tell they're cut by students, but it's still very yeah. you know it's nice it's it's like it says like among the stars or something along yeah. those lines because it's like that's the theme of their prom i think that was a the theme of my senior prom among the stars such a <laughs> nobody died though uh you did not burn down we did not burn down <laughs> the, high, the high school thankfully um but like yeah. in to go to your point matt about like you know it's beautiful but it also looks like that high school cheesiness like i remember 
Tommy, this is later, but Tommy and Carrie are going to go dance and like he has to like brush aside some of these hanging like ornaments that are like just yeah. annoyingly there. And I, to that point, like, yeah, like it's beautiful as it is, it still looks like it was set up by like a high school com- commit. What um, vibes this, this, uh, this, this dance as this promise. Like, I love the vibe. Of I it. wanted Marty McFly to just started, you know. Yeah, it out. does really remind me of the Back to the Future prom. <laughs> Enchantment Under the Sea. Earth Angel. Oh, I want to talk about one scene before this. Okay. That is so funny. Yeah. When the boys go to get their prom, their uh, tuxedos. Yeah, yeah, the tuxedo <laughs> one. And they're all like, oh, you got to get this. And they're like, yeah, it's only 50 bucks, man. You got rent. It's such a funny sequence. It's like, do you like the ruffles? Like, oh, ruffles probably aren't for me. It's like, well, then did you want to get one with the ruffles? Like, because they have the short, they have the classic short. But like Skippy guy, that's I was like, I was like, this should be Joe Pesci. Yeah, this should be <laughs> Joe, Joe Pesci. It is such a scene of just guys being dudes. <laughs> it's so funny. I'm com- I'm convinced that guy was Joey Pants. You can't tell yeah. me otherwise. Let me tell you something. Uh, that, that was more Joe Pesci. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they get there. They they're at the prom. Uh, it's a beautiful sequence. Um, Carrie is hesitant to dance. Yeah. Um, Which Tommy is like respectful of it. Yeah. He's not yeah. like, well, if I'm not gonna dance with you, I'm gonna dance with someone else. No, he's like, he sits down, yeah. chills, like he's okay with it. And then Miss Collins comes up, and they're having a conversation. And Tommy offers his seat, like he's being yeah. a real cordial gentleman. And Miss Collins is just happy to see Carrie be happy. And yeah. th- that's the scene's actually just very powerful. Because and, and I love, I love that Miss Collins is like, you know, she's like, there's like, she kind of puts off like any pressure to dance because yeah. she's like. You know, when when it was my prom, I didn't dance because, mm-hmm. you know, I we had to like walk to prom and I had like three inch heels. Yeah. So um, I have like a few like quick things to talk about the prom um, and then moving forward. But like, first off, I said the thing about the production design is beautiful. But when they enter through those double doors from the outside, like that entry crane shot. Yeah. Into the prom when it like gets really close and then it comes in as a, like a medium close up to carry from a wide Oh my goodness! What a beautiful yeah. introduction that just highlights all the production designers' work that then carries into a story yeah. because it's like you see this big giant vast place, a lot of people, and then you zone into Carrie, yeah. and it's like, oh man, that's beautiful. It's beautiful. a big, it's a big, it's a big yeah. space, but it's her story. And then the second thing is this movie because I've seen it before a while back, but rewatching it, it's like this movie does have a lot of rewatchable qualities, and I feel like the thesis of that is within the prom scene because you know what's about to happen. Yeah. And part of you, it's like, you feel happy that Carrie's happy. You feel happy that Tommy is a gentleman. You feel happy that Sue is cool with it. And there's so many of these amazing, beautiful things. And Carrie's having a good time. And there's like this duality, this battle, inner battle that's happening. Because it's like, I'm so happy for Carrie, but I know what's going to happen. But I'm so happy for Carrie. Such a heartbreaking sequence. Yeah. There's just this dread here. You know what's going to happen. And but you're just so happy for this poor girl who's lived yeah, it's a like, terrible life to just to have this moment of joy. Yeah. When, when, you know, it, it eventually, uh, they start collecting homecoming or the, the homecoming King and queen ballots. And, you know, they have the stooges who like swap them <laughs> out with a ton of, cause Tommy and Carrie are both up for King and queen. Mm. And, uh, they, they like swap the ballots out for like a ton for Tommy and, and Carrie. And and then you know they announce Carrie as as the homecoming queen. She like goes up, and I'm like, I kind of want to just turn off the movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, right. <laughs> what if you That's just turn right. off right as she's up on the stage, and you're just like, Yep, she made the homecoming queen. She made the great homecoming ending. queen. Cut to black. That's all I want. That's why I think the movie is so rewatchable because it's like 
that all builds up it for you. It rips your heart out. It rips your heart out. <laughs> and if you haven't seen this think, movie, then it's yeah, all think, the better. I think on like a first viewing, it's like, you know, you get that happiness as it kind of builds up to this moment where it's like, you know, the, the home they announced this homecoming king and queen. And then, like I said, you just want to turn it off. Yeah. But like, I feel like when it's a rewatch, the whole thing is just tension and yeah. just, you know, you're just on edge the whole time. Yeah. Waiting for the other shoe to drop. And I should clarify, like, even if you're watching it the first time, like they are implementing these, uh, subplots of them planting the bucket of blood and all right that stuff. no it, so it's there it's there even if it's you're watching there. the first time there's still that like plausible plot like but you know possibility that it might not go as planned and maybe they don't it's the so bucket. distracting the prom yeah in a way where it's just like it's so you know the the lights and how everything is like glittery and glistening and like you know, it's just the texture and the colors and how happy everyone seems. It almost just distracts you for yeah. like enough time to kind of forget about forget it. it. But forget about it, and then, yeah, it's well, just. Let me ask you two a question: Like, would it have been more impactful the blood dumping scene if like we didn't like maybe we don't get no, like no scene at all and it just came out of nowhere. But like the scenes we did get were even more subtle in terms of what they were planning on doing that the bucket came off more as a shock. Like, do you feel like that would have been more impactful? The, the interesting thing is that it's actually more subtle in the movie than it is in the book. Oh yeah. The book is incredibly specific about what the blood is for what and they're the going whole to do plan. Yeah. yeah. I like that the movie doesn't tell you what their plan is. They just, you just see it happening. Yeah. I, but, and you're like, and you're like, what did the, what is this gonna do? And then it only becomes like super apparent at the end when you see them standing under that bucket at yeah. the homecoming as the queen, king, and queen. Yeah, yeah. it's so hard to get into but, that first impression mindset. But I feel like even you could even dial back a little bit more to make it even more subtle because, like Matt said, it almost does become a somewhat of a distraction because you see the bucket multiple times. And you almost have this inclination like, oh, God, like, I know what's and you had the scene where the jock got the job of counting the ballots. So all this stuff is adding up. And I just wonder, like, if they like cut one or two things, like maybe they didn't include the ballot guy scene and maybe they didn't include them hanging the bucket. All they got was like they're killing a pig and you don't know why they're killing the pig. You know, they're I angry think, at Carrie. And then I think if they were to do that, they would have to show a scene of them putting like blood in a bucket. Yeah. Yeah, because the, then the bucket does kind of come out of nowhere. But I think, yeah, if you could rework this, you could rework it in a way that would just because you could be you can almost be convinced that this is this is the like happily ever after, and that yeah, and that's why we turn the, off the movie. <laughs> the real climax of the film was her confronting her mom. You know, mm. like you can almost be convinced of that. Yeah, her confronting her but, mom is almost like a false climax. Previously, it is, it is, it is. and I think it it does it does really well as being a yeah. false climax. Like you think that the like you said the Cinderella story, but um, so we're before, already in the prom. Before we get to the blood, okay, I want to talk about the spinning shot because oh that was that was I, done really well. I have a note that just says the spinning shot scene is what movies are all about. Yeah, that scene yeah. is so cool. The, it says in the trivia that they had them on a platform and yeah. they were spinning the platform as they rotated the camera in the opposite direction. So they seemed like that they were makes sense, faster, yeah. which is very cool. But um, what a like just a 
beautiful like sequence of film. That, yeah, that is that is movie with, with movie like all right the there. all the lights and glistening kind of yeah. bokeh like as bokeh in like the background. Yeah. Uh, it's it's amazing. It is amazing. And then it's followed up by another like beautiful shot where they go back to sit down and the camera's following them, and it follows the ballot people walking around collecting all the false ballots, planting in those. It's like messages. a two minute long steady cam crane shot. Um, where it does all that. We follow the false ballots. Then we go back and we see Sue enter the building and hide behind the stage. And the camera stops on her, looks at the rope, goes up the rope, follows it to the bucket. <laughs> this bit. In this one bit. shot to the bucket and then looks over the bucket down at Carrie and turns into a zoom lens, <laughs> which goes into a single on Carrie. It's an amazing shot. But it takes too long. <laughs> that bit when like Sue is like yeah. looking up the rope and it goes- No, into, that's like, a different slow- shot. That's a different oh, shot. Oh, that's a different I'm shot. Talking about, I'm talking about a different shot. Oh, damn. Okay. Yeah. No, you that's fool. a different shot. This, yeah, because it does it such up. a good, just like, it, you know, it's- You it, see the whole it plan. It shows you the action. It, sh- it introduces Sue as being there. And also gets you a like you know you just get yeah it's 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 a masterclass of like a oneer yeah yeah mm-hmm. so the ideal oneer so then they're calling up the ballots right yes. and they say we have a winner and they say Tommy Ross Carrie White and it's Tommy Ross and Carrie White going back to what we were saying how like she's walking up they have this spotlight on her and Tommy. But more particularly, Carrie, because she's mm. like the focus point. She's of it. glistening. Oh, she's so happy. Si- um, yeah. Oh my god, uh, Sissy Spacek. Is that, yeah. Um, yeah. Just beautiful performance in that one. Like, just captured the Although, whole. Vibe. I I I I love that. She, you know, one of the things that Miss Collins says to her is like, you know, if you like curl up your hair a little bit at like the ends, and she does that. She like yeah. just has like little curls at the end of her hair. Yeah, and I like I like that she's like you know, like basically she the one person who is like an adult kind of motherly figure in a way aside from her own mom. Yeah, she like just immediately takes her advice and like goes for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Also, one thing that we kind of just skipped over is that when uh because uh, every table gets a ballot. Yeah. And so Tommy and Carrie have to vote, and and you oh, know yeah. Carrie is like I did skip this. So, you know, she's like so religious in a way that she, you know, she's like against like, like false yeah. modesty and stuff and is like doesn't want to vote for themselves. Yeah. Like she, she doesn't want to vote for them because, you know, that'd be unmodest. And then Tommy and, and, convinces her, she's, I think they both say to hell with false modesty. Yeah. And, uh, Which is the and whole just, point of the movie <laughs> to hell and, and with I false think it's modesty. Just, uh, <laughs> Oh my god, that's very, just, very true. Yeah, <laughs> it's the whole. It's even, the even, even the whole Sue movie. is false modest. Trying to, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, it just, it's it's a really nice little thing that happens that just you know it it helps. I think it just helps Carrie open up. Yeah, because it's like you know she's this outsider who Tommy is like bringing in, and she's actually having a genuinely good time. Yeah, yeah. So they the procession when they're walking up the steps and going to their spot and when she is just glistening yeah just like beautiful performance by sissy spacek and, as and sue is smiling behind the scenes but then 
Jeez. Sue spots something. And that's this is the slow-mo bit then, that I have beef with. And then three hours pass. <laughs> <laughs> Literally three hours go by, and it's just like Sue slowly looking up the rope. And it's in slow motion, too, so it just drags on so long. Like, yeah. you know, it could that could have been done without, like, the pan tilt shot. Like, it looks like they put the camera on a tripod, and they just, like, follow the rope up. Bro, just cut. <laughs> just make it static make static on her face and say okay now look up sue she looks up okay so, sue now look down all right let's do the series do that again do that all right we got it cut and then you get those inserts of the bucky get the inserts of them and you don't have to do the fucking pan tilt thing because it lasts way it's too long a very well done sequence but it does last for a tad too long you just yes. want sue to yell out bucket of blood or, bucket something, of blood! or something like that yeah, like, and I, I love it. Gets you so tense. And I it, get it. It seems like Sue could do something about yeah. it too, yeah, but she doesn't. Yeah, I agree. Because, because like the rope, it goes. So, uh, um, Chris and and Billy are under the stage, and so the rope goes from like under the stage up like this, the like kind of like set yeah. wall, um, and it goes up and up to the rafters and up to the, to where the bucket is and. Sue is like behind the yeah. like stage wall thing, like with her hand on, on the, the rope. rope. <laughs> it's it's almost like Sue is too f- curious about what's gonna happen to act until yeah. she finally decides to, and it's too late. Because when I mean, she goes down to like where she sees uh, Chris and uh, Billy, uh, John Travolta, and Miss Collins yanks her away. Yeah, because she, she thinks them. like she's the source of whatever's about to happen. It's like she immediately goes to Sue, which Sue's just a sweet girl and she wants to help, but she's like, "No, you're one of them." <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, Chris or, or Miss Collins sees the bucket, if I remember correctly. She sees it the last minute before last it falls. minute. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then the bucket falls, falls. Uh, and Carrie is splashed with pig's blood. Tommy is hit on the head with the bucket and collapses. Okay, contention. <laughs> So I wrote down like uh, Tommy Carey walking to the stage. I don't. Okay, here's what I wrote down. I don't know much about physics, but would a metal bucket falling approximately twenty feet kill Tommy? Because that's what's implied that he gets hit with in, the bucket and he dies. In the book, the idea is that it just knocks him out and then he dies in the in the fire. In the fire. In the remake, the bucket kills Tommy. It would be kind of cool if the bucket hit his head and then his head just flew off. <laughs> like it's what. <laughs> but like that was something for me because I remember. Maybe it was because I watched the remake a while back, but like I remember I was thinking like it wasn't just the pig's blood that drew Carrie over the edge, but it was like Tommy got hit in the head and whether he was killed or hurt and it made her go on a killing spree. I thought because he he died and he was she just like kind of lost it from that. Yeah. So but that was my big contention where I was like, come on. All right, man. Because he even like it hits his head. And he's like, ah, and then collapses. <laughs> In some respects, Tommy gets off better than most everyone else because he just gets a quick tap in the head. He's out and he dies. Right. Everyone else has to burn, be alive as they burn and drown. Electrocuted. Yeah. Sue is the only one who gets out because Miss Collins had thrown her out of the room. Yeah, Miss Collins doesn't get out. Yeah, Miss Collins does not get out. She dies a graphic she death. She dies horribly. She gets split in Whoa. half. <laughs> That's like borderline pterodactyl Jurassic World death yeah. right there. But they're all they're all there, um, and they all start laughing at Carrie. Of course, starting it, with Miss Collins. Norma. I mean, Norma. Norma's, Norma's the, the first. One, Norma's obvious red hat girl. Red hat girl is probably gay. Starts laughing. <laughs> uh, she says she starts hooting and hollering. The, everyone else, even Miss Collins, tune on it. And we get this really cool sequence of editing uh, oh, where it's like, like split the... screens and like 
a bug eye view and all what, of these like it, octagons. Yeah, there's like a specific thing that was called like it is, a hydroscope or like Yeah, it is such a cool scene. Yeah. Um as Carrie just and then you get the loses end. her mind. Reverberations of her mom saying, yeah. They're gonna laugh at you, they're gonna, they're gonna laugh, laugh at you. you. And they're laughing at her. Uh and, oh, and so she opens her eyes wide and shuts door. all the doors. Yep. Uh she turns the sprinklers on. She starts flinging the electrical equipment. And, and this is all done like these cross cuts. People start fleeing to the doors, trying to get out, but the doors aren't yeah. opening. The only person people had gone out were Sue, who was out there earlier, and then Chris and Billy had run out as soon as they dropped the blood on her. Right, because they were watching from the window. Uh, so Carrie starts electrocuting people. We see Norma uh, die. We see Miss Collins be split in half by uh, something <laughs> falling from the ceiling. It's pretty brutal. Um... Intense. Fire starts. And fire starts. People are burning to death. It's very intense. It's like, I think the it's a very MC intense sequence. or the principal or whatever is holding the microphone and then she yeah, uses her powers. The, the and principal gets like death. blown off the stage. It's an incredible bit of just filmmaking and a very intense sequence where Carrie gets her revenge on all of these people. Yeah. And the kind of sick thing about this is when you're watching this, it's like, fuck them all, Carrie. Yeah. It's like going, going back to your point about false modesty. In a way, all these people showed their true colors. They were they voted for her and pretended to care when she got up there. Yeah. But the second something happens, even Miss Collins, they laugh at her. Yeah. They're all just pretending to care and be modest. And right. They all uh, die for it. Yep, they all do. So then, so Carrie walks out of the burning auditorium, not a single survivor. Door shut behind uh, her. The door shut behind her, which I thought was an interesting ad. Because it's not just that I'm going to kill all these people. But when she walks out, the door's open and the door's closed behind her. To me, it's like, uh-uh, no one's getting out of yeah, here. Yeah, no one escapes. They're dying. And, and it makes it adds a little bit of intentionality to it. And uh, she starts walking home covered in blood uh, down the street. A fire truck passes by her on the way to school. Um, and who dry- is coming at her down the road? Chris and Billy. Our John boy, Travolta, John Travolta. Uh, driving. <laughs> Luscious he, hair. He, uh, after seeing all the commotion, is just like, I got an idea. We're going to just hit her with the car, and that'll work out well. So It he, doesn't. Forget <laughs> everything we just saw in... He, he and Chris drive the car at her. Uh, Carrie flips it over. We see John Trollton and Nancy Allen spinning around in the car. Uh, lands upside down and explodes, and uh, John Travolta goes boom. He's <laughs> not in the rest of this movie. He's, uh, um, yeah, he's like, he got her done, man. Yeah. Got is, her done. This is two movies in a row where John Travolta's had a fascinating death scene. Very fascinating <laughs> uh, death Melted scene. and then exploded. Yep. Good for him. We're going to rank the Travolta deaths as well. So far, uh, Devil's Reign still reigns. Yeah, Devil Reign, he melts. It's You can't top it. <laughs> uh, uh, may I butt in with something from before? So yes. I did the math. Oh, did you? Uh, he did the monster. Uh, about a bucket falling. <laughs> <laughs> so if we assume it's 20, it's 20 feet. That's six meters-ish. Yeah. Copy that. Uh, the average uh, weight of a metal bucket is 0.272 kilograms. And so taking, you know, 9.8 meters per second squared, which is the, the acceleration of gravity, uh, that means that it falls at a rate of... Uh, 10.84 meters per second, um, <laughs> which means it falls for 1.11 seconds and would hit with an impact of 16 joules. Now, for context, a punch is 7,000 joules. 
<laughs> or 700 jewels. So it's literally just a tap on the head. Yeah. Why is Tommy all bent out of shape? Tommy got Or dead. Tommy had a weak skull. <laughs> I mean, it is a metal bucket. And who knows? You know, with like the some older buckets, they have like an edge at the bottom somewhat. Yeah. Like an elevated uh, bottom because they have edges yeah. around it. So like maybe like that edge that might have been like sharp and small enough that like crack maybe cracked his skull yeah. or something. But then he would have died of a brain bleed. And that would have been slow. But uh yeah. Tommy Point is Billy Tommy not dead. Everyone dead. <laughs> Everyone's dead at this point. Yeah. Uh Carrie Tommy. Carrie gets home. Carrie gets home. She gets home. Uh she walks upstairs um and just stands in like the attic bedroom with just covered in blood. And this is the scariest shot in the movie because she's just standing there and you're like, where is the mom? And it's not until if you're really looking for it, you can see the very faint shadowy outline of the mom standing behind the door to the bathroom. I love that she's next to a mannequin. too. Yes. Like you can see, you, you, you see the shape and you see like, I feel like the hair is the first thing yeah. that draws your eye, but it's like, oh, but that's next to a mannequin. And she sits so fucking still. Yeah. This the mom's the second you notice the mom's silhouette behind the door is the scariest shit I've ever seen. I was I had I was like I wanted to like pause the movie and like take a breath. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it just lasts for so long. You're just waiting for something to happen. Yeah. The, the thing <laughs> that I noticed was her hand. Yeah. At first, like I saw her hand, and I was like, "Oh, that's a person hand." Yeah. Oh, that's the mom. <laughs> and then Carrie walks into the bathroom and a very brief flash of light casts on the mom's face. So you get textually just seeing that she's there. You file Carrie into the bathroom. You're like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And it just, nothing happens for so long. And you get so tense. Carrie takes a bath. She washes off all the blood. Uh, she's remarkably chill about just killing all these people. But, you know, she's happy. Yeah. And the book at this point, she's destroying the town. Uh, she's lighting gas stations on fire. But um she takes she washes herself of essentially everyone. She's yeah, literally doing so. Um gets out, dries herself off. Her mom comes in. Oh wait, no, she does her mom does not come in. She walks out back into the attic, the door shuts, and the mom steps behind her. And Carrie's like, Mom? And she turns around and sees her mom there. Um She's like, Mom, they all laughed at me. You were right. Um, and Margaret's like, you know, I, you were conceived due to a rape, and I thought I should have sent you to God then. It's not too late now. I can still do it. And she pulls a knife out of the ground and stabs Carrie in the back. Cold-blooded. It is intense, to say the least. Uh, Carrie and her, she like throws her mom across the room. Carrie like stumbles down the steps. Her mom's still coming after her with the knife. Um, craziness. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's at this point when Carrie is like yeah. crawling away to the kitchen. It's a bloody fight between the two of them. And finally, and Carrie does not want to hurt, hurt her mom, but she's ready to. And it's not until her mom's coming at her with the knife again that she uses her telekinesis, uh, picks up knives from the kitchen, stabs her mom's hands to the wall. Jesus style. And then throws three knives into her mom's stomach in the exact same positions that really creepy Jesus I was about style. to say. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's the exact same position that there are arrows in the Jesus, like creepy Jesus yeah. statue. It's a very Im evocative image of her mom just like crucified in the kitchen. 
um, as she like uh, dies, <laughs> dies. <laughs> um, um, Carrie pulls her mom to the ground and starts sobbing. Everything in her life has been ruined, uh, and she destroys the house. Okay, um, point of contention. Does Carrie destroy the house? Because I thought here's here's my issue. I thought so at first, but then she's like dragging her mom to like the prayer room, yeah. right? And she sort of like goes unconscious or dies there, and the house still starts to crumble. I, I see it as Carrie destroying the house. Yeah. Um, she's I saw it just, as the wrath of God. She has no reason to live anymore. Um, because the final shot of them in there is that you you move onto the creepy Jesus statue as they're pulled into the ground. Yeah. I suppose it is kind of um, up to your Because you look at it and the house is shaking and it yeah. just adds to like that kind of like... Dread. Yeah. Or like that kind of like 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 just like magical, oh, this statue is doing something. Yeah. Especially because the eyes are still glowing. Yeah. This is the punishment. Yeah. 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 Which is why it kind of led what me a, to believe. What a great miniature yeah. that they used for that. Like, the, you know, doing something like a collapsing is hard to do because, you, you know, realistically it's a miniature and you have to do it in slow motion. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. of how things fall. And it's just, it was done really well. Yeah. So, um, but that's not where the movie ends, which I kind of am not a fan of. I thought the movie could have ended there in a sense of that. Um, like we were just saying earlier, like the movie could have benefited from 10 extra minutes in the first act. And this is where I thought the third act was going a little bit too overboard. Cause honestly, it's like the second act is really small in this movie. Mm. So that's a very short second act. And I don't think it needs to be longer. Yeah. I think the first act needs to be longer, but I think the third act is just so long that it could have been shortened. You think we could have just ended with the house collapse? I absolutely do. I didn't, I didn't need the whole Sue business business being haunted and like, Oh, she's going to always remember. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, uh, we kind of get it. The thing that drew me out of it, especially was when Sue, when the mom, when Sue's mom's on the phones, like she's not going to all the funerals and she has this like dream. You almost know right away. It's a dream too. She's in like a wedding dress. It's shot like a dream. It's very ethereal. And, the the house is rubble like and not even rubble it's just flat mm-hmm. and there's a for sale sign yeah. on it <laughs> that so someone like, wrote carrie white burns in hell on and that was With something that i thought down, yeah. that was something i thought was interesting she said they said carrie white burns in hell which to me insinuates that they knew carrie was the cause of everything yeah which makes me think so everybody knew she had powers or knew event afterwards yeah because she burned down the school how but like you know, they could have made how. how I would assume get, Sue told them. <laughs> well, do they know for a fact that like they make two and two together? Because we get in a universe where well, telekinesis uh, has never been performed before, right? And you see this floating hose hosing oh. people and things catching on fire. It's like I know who did it. That girl on the, who wore the yeah. prom well, queen. There's crown. that. Sue's the only survivor. And there's that scene where she's like laying in the bed and the mom's like, no, we don't want any more press reports. So I'd assume right. that she's the only survivor. She told everyone what happened. That. I think Carrie had telekinetic powers and killed everybody. And even if she didn't think Carrie had telekinetic powers, she said Carrie White did this. And everyone obviously has to believe it. She's the only source. Maybe I, she doesn't I, even mention the telekinesis and said Carrie, Carrie was White. on the stage and she just somehow blocked everyone in and turned on the electricity in the water and killed everyone. I feel like if I was an FBI detective, I'd be like, Sue, you got to give me more than that. Got to give well, me more than that, honey. That's right. I, I. That's why I like, I like, and obviously it's, this is harder to do in a film, but in the book... Mm-hmm. it's presented there, there are a lot of chapters and it's kind of presented as like 
this is the oral history of uh, of it right yeah. like and it's like it's written almost in a way that's like there's a reporter going yeah. after this and there's like different articles that you read in the book and stuff and i think that that you know it paints a bigger a better picture but that's yeah. also because it's a book in the book and in the remake it's more clear that it's Carrie because Carrie goes and destroys the entire town. Yeah. So everyone's like, yeah, yeah, it's this bitch. <laughs> yeah, it was her. Uh, so you can, someone can make the argument that it was a freak accident that killed everyone in yeah. the prom, which is why that Carrie white burns in hell thing really messed with me a little bit. Cause I'm like, how are people going to make two and two together and think like, Oh, Carrie white did this, whatever means she did it. We don't know, but Maybe she had telekinetic powers. I don't know. Or maybe she had like... We also don't know that that's actually there. Yeah. True. Well, because would, it is a dream yeah. sequence. I would I would also... Yeah. I would also assume that if the school burnt down and then a house was destroyed and it was Carrie's house, you could probably put two and two together and assume yeah. uh, she had something to do with it. Yeah. So, uh, but then Sue approaches... And she puts flowers and on she the... she puts flowers and then a bloodied up hand comes and grabs it and then Sue wakes up from her dream screaming... And that's how the movie ends. Yes. Could have done without that part, but that's how the movie ends. Mm-hmm. So uh, wrapping up here. Great movie. Fantastic What a, what movie. a picture. Fantastic yeah. movie. And it's got rewatchability. So this one I would definitely recommend to our uh, listeners to pick this one up on yeah. Amazon or YouTube. Rent it for four bucks. And it's uh, if it's you a- have uh, stars on Hulu or Amazon Prime or the stars just in general yeah. uh, streaming, it's free. Yeah, ideally the, you've, the you've, you've watched this movie before listening to this episode, but if you didn't, uh, watch this movie. Spoiler alert. And then re-listen to this episode. Um, and while you're at it, make sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe to this to this podcast. Uh, nice, subtle transition there. But um, did you guys know they made a sequel to this movie? Yeah, I did It not. was called The Rage Carry 2. Uh, it does not at all involve Carrie. <laughs> The only from nineteen ninety nine. It's like it's like way way after. Yeah, it's nineteen ninety nine. Um, yeah. The only recurring act character is Sue. I mean, she's the only survivor. But uh, played by Amy Irving again. Um, is she a guidance counselor? According to this Wikipedia page for this movie, Carrie is the half half sister of the main character in this one. Oh, yeah, it says it follows the younger half sister of Carrie, also suffering with telekinesis. It sounds like a movie that I do not want to watch. <laughs> well, at least uh, John Travolta is not in that one. Yeah, we, we have yeah, no need. We don't need to pick up that one. But, it's, but it is curious though that the it's one of those weird movies where they wait twenty three years to make a sequel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Matt. On behalf of Travolting Podcast, oh. we want to thank you very much hey, 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 for hey, hey, hey. appearing on as a as a guest. Before before we wrap him out, I'm like, Matt, is there anything else you want to say about this movie? Uh, well, I, there, <laughs> there's another little piece of trivia that I found interesting. What? I, I was looking at the IMDb trivia. Uh, <laughs> apparently, Steven Spielberg Spielberg was invited a lot to be on to to the set of this, um, via Ryan De Palma. Yeah, because the Palma told him there were all and this is in quotes, a lot of cute girls there. And apparently Spielberg asked out all of the women on set <laughs> of Carrie. Oh, uh, you old. And only dog. one person said yes. And it was Amy Irving. And then they got married. 
We love seventies were a different time. The seventies were yes, a very were. different time. Yes. Um, All right, Jeff. So we pro wrap- tip: um, never go to a movie set and just start asking people out. It's uh, weird. It's, it's weird. <laughs> Everybody um, knows you text. Uh, all the female grips you, on the call you, sheet. What yes. you know is you, what you have to do is go on the call sheet. Yeah. You get everyone's everyone. phone numbers and start texting them. Yes. Um, <laughs> that's for, what you have to that's do. That's my Tinder app. Yes. Um, for anyone who uh, does not work in the film industry uh, and wants to, don't do any of that. <laughs> um, don't be a creep. Uh, we're, we're at a point in Hollywood now where we're finally reckoning with uh, all this disgusting behavior of the past like 100 yeah. years. Um, let's keep it going and don't go to set and just start asking women now. Yeah. All right, um, even if you're but, Steven Spielberg. Yes, even if you're Steven Spielberg. And I love the man, but uh, don't do that, Stevie. Don't do that. Don't do it. You have like 15 scarves. You don't have to do that. All um, right, Jeff. So on the topic of yeah. sexual harassment, should we wrap this up? Yes, on the topic of we've uh, made our PSA. Um, this episode brought to you by no one because we don't have any sponsors. Um, Yet. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, thank Rocky you, Matt. Scott and Holger. <laughs> thank you, Matt, for joining us. Of course. Uh, it was a pleasure, and we'll have you on again soon enough. Uh, cool. Make sure to tune in next week for our episode on <laughs> The Boy in the Plastic Bubble, <laughs> a oh, movie that man. is shockingly on Amazon Prime for free. Uh, so if you have Prime, feel free to watch The Boy in the Plastic Bubble. Um, make sure to, as I said, rate, review, and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on whether that be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, etc. Uh, you can write a review if possible. It would be deeply appreciated. You can find us at Travolting Pod on Twitter or Instagram for updates and various fun stuff about the show. You can pop into our Reddit at r slash Travolting. Uh, hopefully some form of discussion will happen there if anyone's interested. Uh, you can email any questions you have to TravoltingPodcast at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at Jeff W. Sweeney. Uh, you can find Stuart on Instagram, Stuart at Stuart Elmore 95. Uh, don't follow him, but do follow me. Uh, and then finally, special thanks to Rebecca Johnson for our graphic design. We love and, you, Rebecca. Uh, Michael Van Bodegum Smith for our theme music. Thank you, Michael. Yeah, thank you, Michael. You're a great guy. Uh, thank you again to Matt for joining and join us again next week. Have a wonderful rest of your day, everyone. Bye, folks. Bye.